Okay, I want you to get your Bible out, and if you have a little, um, if you have a little notepad or paper, I want you to get that out too, because I think that people who um, write stuff down while the sermon is going or while the message is being given, they actually retain more. And so if you, if you don't have any note paper, there's some notes on the back of your worship guide. And so turn your Bibles to Acts chapter 2, verse 42. Acts chapter 2, verse 42. I am starting kind of a brand new series called I Like Church. <laughs> Isn't that a great title? Here's what I, here's what I like about this title. I, I like saying that I like church because you know why? Because there are so many church haters. I am not a church hater. And I don't want you to be a church hater. Don't be a hater. <laughs> I think the body of Christ is, is so important, so valuable, so loved by Jesus. After all, we are his bride. And so he, he loves us with everything. He gave himself for us. And so we've got to treat one another with the kind of respect that his bride deserves. That's why we're going to pray for other churches to be full of Jesus' power and authority. That's why we're going to join in partnership with people in our, our city to do things, to reach out. That's, that it's, it's all part of this idea that we respect what Jesus is doing in His church. And while the church is imperfect, I will admit, it is imperfect, and it will always be imperfect until Jesus comes because it's made up of people. <laughs> and, uh, you know, people would be so... I mean, ministry would be so awesome without the people. <laughs> but it doesn't work that way. So I like church. And what I want to do over the next few weeks is I want to talk about why I like church. I want to talk about why I think the church is worth liking and worth loving. And, and frankly, I want to be a protector of the church. I want us to be a church that's healthy and strong and vibrant. I don't want us to have dysfunction. A lot of churches do have dysfunction. There's no doubt about it. A lot of churches are hung up with a lot of baggage a lot of things, that's one of the things that happens when you start a new church is everybody who comes from another church, they bring their baggage. So somebody told me this week, I think it was Larry Foster, he said, he said we're going to have to create a baggage claim system <laughs> where when people bring their baggage from other churches, there's a claim system, they can just let it go and it can go somewhere else. <laughs> they can put it on the little belt and it can leave. And so, um, so we don't want to claim baggage. We want to let it go. We want to release it. So I think, I, I think this series is going to be, and what I'm using this for is we kind of started talking about, uh, you know, square one and what we're going to talk about in square one, church, values, uh, culture, ideology, theology about church. And so what I'm doing over this month is I'm kind of taking you through an extended square one version. Isn't that cool? At least church 101. That's really what I'm taking you through is church 101. And so Church 101, I'm just, I'm just elongating and I'm sharing it with you because uh, as the first time, I want it to kind of get deep into you. I want, it, I want you to kind of get where we're going. And so each week, I'm just going to share a little bit more. Uh, I'm, I'll share as, as much time as we have. We have about 30 minutes right now, so we're going to have to go quick, all right? Is everybody okay? Can you go quick with me? Can you think? Can you sit up a little bit in your chair? No. <laughs> Some of you are like... Acts chapter 2 is where we're starting, so turn right there. Oh, just before we get to Acts chapter 2, here's where we've been. We've been with kind of talking about one chapel vision pillars, all right? So we started uh, last week with presence. We started with presence as a major component 
of the vision of one chapel, that I believe that we, can, we, we need to cultivate the idea that Jesus is in us and lives with us, that we and Him are one, that, that He is the one who has changed us and transforms us, and His presence is the thing that transforms us. You ever known somebody who knows the Bible really well, but they're stuck in some really bad habits and patterns? See, it's not the Word of God by itself. It's the Word of God being given to people by the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God, the Scripture says, reveals what the Scripture says. And that's why sometimes when people read it without the presence of Jesus in them or the presence of God by the Holy Spirit in them, that it seems confusing. It just, oh, it doesn't work. It just, I don't... There's a revelation that happens, I think, with the presence of God. In Acts 4.13, Peter and John had just healed a guy, and, and they were being persecuted. And what happened to them? They, they were, they were uh, sort of being told not to do this. And they, this, this passage is so interesting. It says, they realized when they, when they looked at them, when they were dealing with them, as they were going back and forth in this thing and telling them, look, you can't, you can't teach this anymore. You can't do this. It's sending things into an uproar. What they said to them was they noticed that they were unschooled and ordinary men. That's good news for you and me. That means you don't have to be a rocket scientist to be a great Christian, to be, great, be a great believer. All right, so, but, but I, I, I appreciate rocket scientists, but you don't have to be one to, to, to be a person that carries the message of the gospel. And so he said they were unschooled, ordinary men, but they took note that they had been with Jesus. Jesus told the Pharisees in John 5, 39, he said, he said, now, you think that by knowing the Scriptures, by studying them, by really figuring it out, that you can receive eternal life. He said, you would be wrong. You can't do it, John 5, 39, because the Scriptures all point to me. The presence of God among us is what, what God is after. He came. He wants to put Himself inside of you. That's what church really is fundamentally about. It's not about information transfer. It's not about me getting up here and giving you three points and a nice poem, okay? That, that, uh, we're going to do three points, and I'll probably have a nice poem every once in a while. <laughs> but what we're going to do is, what you have to do is the Spirit of God has to speak to you personally about the stuff you're writing down in that page. And if that doesn't happen, then it really doesn't get in there. It just gets in the brain. And there's something that has to go beyond. So the presence-based ministry concept. That's why worship is part of what we're doing. Part of the scriptures is the revelation of the scriptures by the Spirit. And then what happens is we're relationship driven. Relationally driven, everything we do in the ministry has to do with relationships. Relationships are the conduit of ministry. There is nothing else. There, the, every program, every, every idea that we come up with to serve our city, every evangelistic tool that we come up with, you know what? It's, it doesn't work unless we're committed to relationships. Thank you for those two amens. It's really an important idea. Relationships are everything. And then that leads us to where we are today. Now, we're not going to get quite... We'll get to mission-focused here in just a second, all right? But before we get to mission-focused, I want to kind of wrap up some things that I, I kind of... It's funny. I was teaching you last week, and we got to a certain place, and I has, had to say, okay, that was it. I guess you'll have to come back next week, and we'll figure it out. So what, so what happened was during the week, I thought of more stuff <laughs> that I wanted to tell you. So I want to give you just a couple of, a couple of ideas, all right? All right, so Acts 2, verse 20, uh, 42, all right? Let's start there. Familiar passage for some of you. Acts 2, 42 says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching 
and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayer. Everyone was filled with, what does that word say? Awe. awe. Most of your Bibles say awe. They were filled with awe. Wow, they were looking at these guys and they were going, oh. Is there one thing that I can't, oh. It was filled with, oh. <laughs> That's like a little step beyond awe. It's like a, the word awesome is so overused in our society, isn't it? Man, it's so awesome how that is, isn't it? I mean, how can a toilet paper be awesome? What I want, what I want is for people, when they see what's happening in your life and my life, when they see what's going on among us, they, they like go, oh, huh, wow, something's going on there. So they did this. The people were saying they were filled with awe. Many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles, which is cool. I believe in signs and wonders. And I don't think the signs and wonders should just happen inside this room. I think we should take risks. I think we should be willing to pray for people when the moment seems right. I mean, for crying out loud, everybody in Austin thinks prayer is okay. They just pray to, all, they just pray to trees or, or to, <laughs> to energy or to something. Everybody believes in something, you know. I mean, the atheists don't, but even they, if you track it down, if you push them all the way through, they believe in something because atheism isn't without believing something. That was brilliant logic right there. (laughs) Just stay with me. (laughs) So all the believers were together and had everything in common, selling their possessions and goods they gave to anyone as he had need. One of the things that I think is supposed to happen at a church is it's supposed to become a resource center. It is supposed to be a place called a storehouse. One of the reasons we give our tithes and offerings is we give to the church so they can become a storehouse that can then be redistributed to others as they have need. And uh, I think that's just part of the role of the church. That's part of what we're doing here. All right? It's not the whole thing, but it's, it's very important. And that's why we've got to make sure that we do the best that we can do, be great stewards of God's resources that He gives us. All right? we, and we give them to the church, and then people are uh, ministered to and cared for, and they are, their needs are met. Every day, they continue to meet together in the temple courts. <laughs> Turn to your neighbor and say, every day. Now, here's the problem with our culture. The problem with our culture, we can't meet every day. Like, I really want to. Like, one of my biggest frustrations right now with planting a new church is that I can't meet with everybody more often because the only way for us to understand DNA and relationship is for us to be together. So here's what's coming up. What's coming up in, in, is we're going we're gonna to develop some of these small groups. We've got square one. We've got small groups. We're going to have some outreach sort of types of events, and we're going to try to connect. We're going to try to just spend time together and do stuff together, right? I'll explain that here in just a second. Here we go. Is everybody with me? They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Two things I want to highlight there. One is they enjoyed the favor of the Lord. There is one thing that I'm noticing about one chapel, and it is Jesus' favor on this little crazy startup. Jesus' favor on us, on you, on me. I don't know how else to explain what we're seeing. I don't know how else to, to explain God putting pieces together that I could have never put together on my own. 
And so I think Jesus is pleased and he wants us to do more and he wants us to do well. And so there's, there's something, there's a favor. I, I keep hearing from people about talking about one chapel and what's happening and it's crazy. It's crazy. We're, we're, we're going to see more and more people come and that's why we've got to get these, um, these uh, growth track and, and these groups going so that we can connect people, all right, to the life that is going on here, all right? So, so then I want to highlight the second thing and that is that the Lord added to them to their number daily, those who are being saved. Those who are being saved. The name of this particular talk is No Plan B. <laughs> no Plan B. You are Plan A. We are Plan A for Jesus, His church, His people. The way God has set everything up. What's happened is God has this history, this story that he has been telling since the beginning. And his purpose has been to live among his people, for his people to love him and for him to love the people of the world. Not just his people, but all the people of the world. The purpose of Jesus, the purpose of God from the beginning was to bless the nations of the world. So finally, as the nation that God chose a, a family, finally things, you know, went kind of awry at the beginning, and Adam and Eve kind of turned left, and, and then everything kind of got messed up, and then we had Noah, and that was a debacle, and the Bible says everything man did was evil in his heart. It was just not working, and so God had to kind of start over, and because and, he knew he, we would destroy ourselves. And then Noah builds a little ark, and then you find the next kind of interesting moment where God's interacting with people is the Tower of Babel. Then He kind of confuses their language and sends them all over the place, (laughs) essentially creates nations. And then His plan came to pass when He chose Abraham. And Abraham, He's told Abraham, He said, I'm going to bless you. Go to a land that you don't even know about. Go, Go somewhere where I'm telling you to go and pick up and go. He didn't even know where he was headed. And what happened was God told Abraham, I'm going to bless you so that you can be a blessing to the nations of the world. And I think that's our calling. We engage in that, new, that covenant, in the new covenant. We are under that old Abrahamic covenant and that purpose. And so what happens is God has this story that's going on And we're supposed to engage in that story with him. We're supposed to be the ones that carry the story. So what happened was a nation was born, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Then finally, that family turns into a nation. And then finally, one man comes out of that nation. One man is born. Jesus' moment, time, the fullness of time, the Bible says, Jesus is born. And then what happens is he is the representative. He is born by the Holy Spirit of the virgin birth. That creed we just read, it was describing this. This is God in the flesh coming to the earth. God in the flesh coming to the earth. And he represents who God is and he wants to share him with us. And so he shares the message. He shares the message for three years Thirty from age thirty to thirty-three, and he de- and he deposits the message into these crazy fishermen. I mean, couldn't he have picked better? Seems like he could have picked better. 
But he doesn't. He, he, he gives the message to these guys and, they're the one, and, and to a bunch of ladies that worked with him. So these men, these smelly fishermen, and these ladies who had terrible pasts, those are the people he picked. And then he doesn't stay. It seems like it would have made sense. Like if I was doing it, like Jesus, like if he could be here like all, all the time, like in the flesh, it would be perfect. The scripture says, Jesus said to his disciples, it's really good that I'm going away. I'm gonna, it's really good that I'm going away because I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to you. And, I'm a, and you're going you're to receive counseling from that Holy Spirit. He's going to be a counselor and a comforter. And he's going to lead you and guide you into all truth. All the truth you've been learning, Holy Spirit's going to remind you of it. And so Jesus leaves the earth, leaves these fishermen in charge, and the church is essentially born in Acts chapter 2. <laughs> that was a long introduction, wasn't it? I just, I, 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 there's something about the history, something about seeing your part in, in what you're playing, the, the, our moment in history. God created this church. He birthed a church in Acts chapter 2, and the gift of the Holy Spirit was given. And when that happened, then these, these fishermen, these apostles, these disciples, they began to train and to teach and to encourage, and they met house to house. They met together, they related with one another, they created a community. And so it's so important to understand that the conduit of ministry, even today, first century believers, 21st century believers. Now the good news is, when we choose to follow Christ, we don't get killed. Now that's only because we live here. All around the world, all around the world. People are getting persecuted, killed. They're giving their lives. People in Muslim countries, Middle East countries, you know what happens? When they turn to Christ, they lose their family, they lose their friends, and many times they lose their lives. There is, a, there is something going on all around the world that we need to make sure we're tapped into so we don't get spoiled here in America. And so there is, there is really... No plan B, because where, does the, where is the Holy Spirit? Uh, <laughs> the Holy Spirit's right here. The Holy Spirit, it lives inside of us. Now, is He active in the earth? Absolutely. But what God has chosen is to, for Him to be most active in you. And there's crazy stuff that happens from time to time. The Holy Spirit speaks to people. All that happens. But listen, He's given you the Spirit of God, His plan moves through you and me. He has included us, is maybe even a better way to say it. He hasn't left us out. He's actually included us in His plan. And so one of the things that we're going to do is I'm going to make sure that the way this, like as we're building the church, as we're working on how to do this, I want to make sure that the church ideas and the, the structure mirrors God's ideas, matches God's ideas in the Scripture, Right? So here's, here's what I'm proposing for relationships being built, all right? When I say to you, when I say to anybody who comes to One Chapel, and we want to, we want to make sure we are breaking bread together, we're having fellowship, we're meeting with one another during the week, we're connecting with each other, we're, we're making sure that our resources are available to others, we're working together, receiving favor from other people and seeing what, what God is doing as they look and look at us with awe, 
Some of them will persecute us. Others will look with wonder. Um, you'll interact with those people in different ways. But as that all happens, there's got to be a way that I can say that to the group of people that are going to make One Chapel their home church. So here, so here it is, all right? I want to try it out on you. Are you ready? Already? So when I say, I want you to, here's what I want you to do at One Chapel. When you're part of the, part of the group that is going to connect with other people, how are you going to connect, all right? Number one, there's a, there's a community that we're going to develop here. And the community is going to be all the people that come to weekend services. And the weekend services will be our place where we look up. Everybody say up. Everything that we do here on these weekend services is sort of driven to help people change from looking down, looking down into their lives, looking down on the ground, being sad, being discouraged, looking up to their source, who, who Jesus is, what he's done, and vision casting and celebrating and remembering what Jesus has done and who we are and who he's made us to be. That's what the weekend is all about. That's what this community is all about. And so we all belong to a giant community where we're part of the body of Christ, all right? And so that community, we're defined not by just our relationships together. See, this is very important. We're not just defined by what we know of each other. We're defined by what we know of Him. So we're defined by looking up. We're defined by accepting and receiving heaven in earth. We receive... Sorry, I said that backwards. We receive... No, I said it right. We receive heaven here on earth. We get God to do what only He can do here in us. Is everybody still with me? Yeah. All right. So that community is really important. Then the next thing that happens is there's a connection. And that's why what's going to happen is there's a connect group that's going to be happening somewhere in the city near your house or some topic that you're going to be really interested in that you're willing to drive miles <laughs> to go be part of. Or just some person that you kind of met and you're, you just, you met them and you're like, wow, there's something here. I'm really connected to this person. I, I want to go hang out with them. That's how God designed it. It is not God's purpose for anybody to come to this church and be uh, anonymous for more than four weeks. The goal of this church is that people cannot stay anonymous for more than four weeks that you can't come and sit in the seat, not because you, you, you can't do it, but because people are connecting with you. People are reaching you. You're turning around reaching to each other. And so there's a community that we're all a part of. This is, we're defined by heaven and not earth. And then what, what happens is we begin to connect with each other and there's a connection that goes on in people's hearts and people's lives. Christianity is not about the rules and regulations. It's about relationship and rebirth. And that happens best when people are dealing with core issues in each other's life. And so that connection is so important. And then what happens is there's, there's, this, there's, this, there's this big community, go with me, big community, and then there's small groups typically. That's typically what we have at most churches. There's a weird dynamic that happens. If you come to the community, what happens is you sit in a seat and you don't really know anybody. Your, your first time, you're trying to figure it out. You can feel very isolated and alone. I was talking to a lady this week, and I hated it. It broke my heart. I just was like, she was coming, and she was sitting in one of these seats, and, and she, she sat down and just by herself, and all, all that was happening was a little cursory, hi, how are you doing? And then she just sat there by herself. Ah, I hate that. Don't let that happen. It's kind of like going to a movie by yourself. You guys ever go to a movie by yourself? Really? I can't do it. 
I can't do it. I, th- I have an issue. I don't know. I, I, can't, I can't go to a movie by myself. Come in, sit in the movie. I'm a, yeah, because I, I don't know. I just can't do it. I want to turn to my neighbor and say, oh, that was awesome. <laughs> awesome. See, there it is. Awesome. Awesome. So I don't want that to happen, but there's got to be a place where people start connecting, and those are in connect groups all over the city. Connect groups are places where people deal with core issues, they deal with life. But then there's a middle, so the core issue, the, the small group though, connect groups, what happens is you've got the community and then you have the connect group, and what happens in the connect group is you show up to a group of people, they all know each other. And you feel not necessarily isolated and alone, you feel threatened. And like, ooh, I'm, I'm interrupting some really vulnerable things here. I don't know anybody. I don't know these people. This is really awkward. I'm right here, and they're pouring out their hearts to each other. Ooh. <laughs> so sometimes you get this awkward thing with small groups because everybody's so bonded. And then you get this community thing where everybody's, you know, just kind of a big crowd and big group of people, and you can just get lost. There's got to be something in here. We got community and we got connection. We got what, what's, what's happening in the first century church, Acts 2, and then there's got to be something in here. Oh, that's very good. You, do you think it starts with a C? Yes. Okay, so you got community, you got connection, but then what happens is there's got to be something. And what, I'm, what I think it is, it's a place for people to come and be involved and be connected to an event or to an opportunity to serve, and it's gonna, they're going to be called compassion groups. So compassion groups are going to be groups of groups, right? Are you with me? So two or three connect group leaders get together, and the connect group leaders say to each other, hey, um, man, we really have a burden for this women's shelter down here, the single, single moms thing that's going on down here. There's a shelter uh, for women, and we have a heart that just we, we can't stop thinking about that. And so let's, let's rally the people that come to our groups, and let's go and make sure that we're serving in that place and making sure that ministry, that, that, it, uh, that idea is being taken care of in our city. And it could be any number of things. It doesn't have to be a Christian ministry. If it's a feeding ministry, it's a food, uh, a food organization that may not be overtly Christian, great. If it's taking care of some, some uh, parks or some kind of thing where we're taking responsibility for our city and caring for creation like we should as believers. Great, but it needs to be something to get us outside of the living room and outside the walls of the church. And so what's going to happen is you're going to have these small groups where you can challenge one another and disciple one another, but then there's also this opportunity and this push to get outside the walls of the church and make sure that we are doing what Jesus wants us to do to heal people, to touch the poor, to feed the hungry, to visit the prisoner, to do the things that we're supposed to do that get squeezed out of our lives because we're so busy. What I want you to think about is I want you to think about the challenge. I want you to think about the challenge this morning of being the kind of believer that God wants to work through on a consistent basis, not just when you're in a small group, and not just when you're doing a project, but the kind of person that God is speaking to you and leading to you, and you're, you're noticing people around you, and you realize what's going on in them because you're connected to the Holy Spirit, God, worldwide. 
I want you to think about how we can do this in a, where, we're, where we're, we're a community that believes in connecting to people and giving other people access to our lives. You've got to know somebody. But then we're also a community that believes in getting out into our city and making sure that we're doing what we say we, do, we, we should do. So what's, what I'm going to challenge you with is I'm going to challenge you to do more than maybe you're comfortable with. I'm going to challenge, and, and, and the cool thing about compassion groups is they are self-directed. It's not the centralized part of the church, oh, here, here's what I want you to do, you go do this, you go do this, and everything's centralized to the church office or the government of the church. What we need to do is push down into our lives all the responsibility the responsibility to reach people, the responsibility to touch people, the responsibility to care for others who are in need. The res- that responsibility, need, we all need to carry it. We all need to hold it as sacred. It is something so important for us that it defines who we are as a church. There's no plan B, you're it. If somebody's going to reach Austin, reach the people who are full of themselves, full of drugs, full of sex, immorality, if we're going to reach those people, we are going to have to. Allow the Holy Spirit to work through us. We're going to have to get our hands dirty. We're going to have to go for it. We're going to have to let people see what we're doing. Okay, does that make sense? So, so I, want, I want you to think about as we, next week we're going to launch these groups. And so some of these groups are going to do, we're going to do some projects here in the, in the fall. But the, par, the projects aren't the purpose. Say that together, that was nice. The projects are not the purpose. Say it one more time. The projects are not the purpose. The people are the purpose. And frankly, doing those projects, hopefully it gets into your heart, into your soul, into your life, and you can't stop it. You want want to do what Jesus has put inside of you to do. Because what Jesus has given us is a mission. And his presence and these relationships are about the mission of Jesus. His presence in us is not to be wasted on us alone. These relationships are not for our own, just our own encouragement. They're for strength and courage and boldness to speak the words of Christ and to love people because he's called us to a great mission and the mission field is sitting out here. It's all around us. I was talking to my brother-in-law and he was in a, in a little meeting this week because he was doing some training for his job. And he was the guy, there was about 12 people, and he had to kind of, you know, they, they got to know each other, and here, they were, they were a whole week of training, and they were talking to each other and telling about their lives, and here, and so they spent five days together, and they, so they all knew he was, he was a, a Christian. And in fact, he's, he, he's been a pastor, and so he told them about being a pastor, so they all called, called him Pastor Darren all week. <laughs> hey, Pastor Darren! <laughs> awesome. And then he would go down and he would, you know, they, they were all going down at night and drinking themselves silly. And, uh, you know, it's amazing how people just want to find something. They just want to find something that they can feed themselves with, that they can be okay with. So they were down there in the bar every night and he would go down there and just drink a glass of water with them. (laughs) And um, (laughs) I don't know what he drank, but he sat there with them. I do know that he didn't get drunk. So, so he sat there, and he, and he just talked with them and just chatted with them, and there was something, you know, really cool. It was the, so what happened is at the end, the last day, on the last day of the week, 
He was getting ready to go home, and a guy comes up to me. He's standing in the airport, and a bunch of them are leaving. And this guy comes in. He kind of wants to get him away from the rest of the group. And he says to him, he says, man, I, I don't want anybody else to know, but my mom is really doing bad. Do you think you could, could you pray for her? And he, that same guy, they stood there and talked, and he said, I don't, he said, I don't know any other Christians like you. But if I was in Austin, I'd come to your church. And I was like, oh. There's something about being with people. There's something about the relational dynamic of Christianity that connects to the mission. And what, I'm gonna, what we're going to talk about here in the next couple weeks is how that mission functions, what it looks like, what Jesus says about it. Um, I really like this idea of being a big community, being a small group being connected to a small group and being connected to a group of groups that are doing things out in the city on a consistent basis. But truthfully, God just wants to get at your heart and my heart. And he wants us to notice the people and be with them and watch for opportunities. I want to challenge you to do that this week. Okay, let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the word of God. We thank you that it is quick, it is active, it is sharper than a two-edged sword, and it pierces us. And when we think about the first century believers and we think about what you did with them, we think about sharing bread with each other, we think about sharing um, life and meeting with each other and connecting, Lord, we pray that you would help us to live that way. Help us to do that in our, in our daily lives here. Help us to do that in our routine. Help us to make your priorities our priorities. Help us to make your priorities our priorities. I just want you to think about that for a second, just where you're sitting. Making the priorities of Jesus your priorities. We've all got stuff to do. We've all got kids in school or, or job that's calling us and rely, people relying on us. We have families. We have responsibilities. But Jesus wants to be right in the middle of all that. And so I I want you to just let him remind you. Let him remind you of what his priorities are. Jesus, I ask you all over this room to remind us this week. Let us notice what you're doing. Let us see what you're doing behind the scenes. Let us connect with what you're saying and what you're doing. Not, not just where one chapel is concerned, but connect with the kingdom and what's happening as you're stirring us. So many of us in the room are in transition. There's a transitional moment that we're a part of and we're, we're in a new church or we're in a new city or we're with new people that we haven't known for a long time. Lord, I pray that this would be a moment for all of us who are transitioning to reshape our priorities, to think about what you're doing and to be part of it, to connect to it. Thank you for that. I don't want to let this moment go without just asking if there are any, if there's anyone here who you've been here and during worship and during, while the singing was going on or maybe while we were talking here at the end, that you sense that the Holy Spirit is calling you, that God's Spirit is calling to you. And today is a day for you where you just feel something unique and you want to respond to him and you want to say, yeah, I want to live, I want to live my life 
with your priorities and I want to live my life for you. Maybe you've never prayed and asked Christ to come into your life. Maybe you're not a Jesus follower or maybe you just haven't really followed him well in a long time. And if you're here this morning and you came to church, you're exactly right. He has been calling you. He has been calling out your name and he wants to draw you to himself. So with every eye closed, every head bowed, just just no, nothing, no activity, nobody looking around, I just want you to, if that's you, and you want to respond to what Jesus is doing in your heart, I just want you to lift your hand. I'm not going to call you down front. I'm not going to make you do anything weird. I just want you to lift your hand if that's you. Yep, I see you. Yep, I see you over there. Yep, anybody else? Yep, I see you back here. Great, great. I see you. That's so good. So good. You can put your hands down. There's something about responding to the work of Jesus inside of a person, in your heart, inside of your heart that kind of affirms the process, affirms what he's saying. Now, we all say what we don't mean way too often. So this prayer that I want to pray with you is not meaningful because it's special words or because we're saying it. It's special because if you believe, if you mix it with faith, if you say these words and you call out to Jesus and you say yes to him with faith in your heart, then there's something that happens. You repent and you believe. You turn your back on your old way of life and you turn to a new way of living. So I want everybody in the room to just take a moment here and I want you to repeat these words after me, but mean them. Mix them with faith. And let's pray this prayer and give our lives to Christ once again. Repeat after me. Say, Heavenly Father, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for the Spirit of God that speaks to me. Thank you for calling me. Thank you for Jesus who died on the cross for my sins, for my failures for my foolishness. I turn my back on my old way of life. I reject the past. And I look to my future. I ask you to be Lord of my life. Forgive me for my sins. Make me a new person. Create a clean heart in me so that I can be renewed with your strength and your purpose. Reshape my priorities today to look like yours. Now let me just pray over you. Father, thank you so much for doing the work that you're doing in people's hearts. Lord, even uh, so much that you're saying unrelated to this particular message, but you are speaking to people. And I thank you for that. And now I ask you to put us together. I ask you to help us get on the right road, get on the path together, on the journey. And you would take us and you'd shape us and mold us. You would take this church and, and it's fledgling early days and you'd put it together like you want it put together. And you would make it something unique and wonderful for your purpose. Put us together. Make us into the people you want us to be. We thank you for this. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm so grateful that you came this morning and let God do something wonderful in your life.
if you, um, if you made a commitment to Christ this morning, if you're like following him for the first time or for, for the first time in a long time, I want you to take that little connection card, that little connection card in the worship guide, and I want you to, there's a little place on there where you can mark it. And it can say, I decided, I made a commitment to follow Christ. I want you to mark that because I want to follow up with you and I want to help you take your next steps. All right, so fill that out and drop it in the offering as the offering goes by, okay? We are, um, we're committed to you and committed to your, the process that Jesus has you in. So the last thing we're going to do is we're going to receive our tithes and our offerings. We're going to, we're going to give. Uh, I think giving is one of the things that makes us more like God than anything else because he is a giver. He loved the world so much, John 3.16 says, that he gave. And so when we give, we start acting like him. And so uh, if you'd ask the Lord what he'd like you to give, if you're the first time here, we don't expect you to give. This is something that we've chosen to do as one chapel to support the work and the ministry that's going on and to uh, share with others. And so we're going to worship him with our tithes and offerings. Would you just stand up with me and let's pray together while we, while we worship? Heavenly Father, we are so grateful for your work in us. Now we, we want to give, not because uh, we think it somehow earns us something, not because it's a duty, not because it's an investment, because we want to get something back, but because we worship you with one of the most meaningful things that we have at our disposal, and that is our money, our finances. And so, Lord, we believe that you have made us stewards of everything. And so you gave it all to us. We're just giving you a little bit back because we want you to use it, expand it, build your kingdom. We thank you for this, and we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's worship together as we give.